If you're new here, my name is Pastor Mark and my beautiful wife, Ellie. We've been in America for 11 years this Christmas and we are loving it here. This is a great country and things are fantastic. And we originally moved to Texas. We were there for four years at a church and absolutely loved that season. It was a little hot. I always share that. And then God called us out here to the West Coast. I always get it confused. I always see Australia when I look at the map. So, you know, when our maps, your map always has America in the middle, ours always has Australia in the middle. And so all I see is Australia. So I have to think Western Australia or Perth or Sydney, California or New York. Yes, got it. Matthew 14, 26, you can see it on the screen. It says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, is it you? If it is you, command me to come uh, to you on the water. So he said, come. And Peter had uh, come down out of the boat and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And catch this bit here. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. So he took note and had an observation that it was quite windy around. And his environment affected his faith. He looked at what was happening and it changed his view of Jesus. He stepped out of the boat originally and said, I'm looking at someone walking on water. I wonder if I can do that. And so he stepped out whilst his eyes were fixed on Jesus. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and noticed the wind, all of a sudden doubt crept in. And his environment changed his view of God. It changed his view of God, which really got me thinking is that if we are not careful, the happenings and circumstances of our life can change our view of God. So right now we may have a view of God that's chirpy. He is a loving, gracious, merciful God. In fact, God wants to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. But what happens in a dry season? What happens when the check bounces and the credit card doesn't go through? Does that mean that his promise is now null and void? Does my view of God because of my circumstance change because it's not taking place? And I look at scripture like this, when we take our eyes off Christ and we start to focus more on what we're going through than the one that's carrying us through it, then we can miss what God is wanting to do in us through the process rather than get stuck in a season. And so the question this morning is this, and I believe it shall be a quote on the stage, is life shaping the way that you see God or are you allowing God to change the way that you live life? Are you allowing God to change the way that you live life? Is life shaping the way that you see God? I think too many people's view of God 
comes out of their circumstances instead of being founded in the truth of Scripture. And so we create this image of God that's not realistic and not true. And so when people ask, well, what's God like? Or what do you think of God? They often will speak through their life experiences as to whether he's faithful, as to whether he's generous or benevolent, as to whether he's gracious, as to whether he's forgiving. And based on my experiences, that's how I define God. But I don't believe it should be in that order. We should go to truth, scripture, and that will shape the way that we see God. And so when life happens to you, you can say, this is not correct. This needs to come into submission to the promise that God has for me. Scripture should change the way that we believe. Scripture is where we get our faith from, not our experiences. Now listen to this. Um, I was watching a documentary this week and it was a Canadian um, business show about supermarkets. And what, I don't know if you are aware of this, but supermarkets are spending billions of dollars on marketing to get you to buy more things. Is everybody aware of this? And most of it is not happening at a conscious level. It's happening at a subconscious level. I don't know how it's possible, but when I go into Costco wanting to spend $100, I come out with two shopping trolleys full (laughs) and my car is overflowing with the floodgates of heaven that it can't contain it. (laughs) Ellie gets mad, but we'll know I have to buy toilet paper for a year (laughs) because it was on sale and I got a deal. But they spend millions of dollars on marketing and get you into this place and they don't even realise it's happening. And and it's things like this, um, how high an item actually sits on the shelf versus your eyesight and maybe, I don't know what height they're going for there, the average height of an American. They uh, also do things like limit of four four per person creates this sense of exclusivity. Uh, You can buy one and get one free, get a bargain. Is anyone a sucker for that one? Every time I buy a pasta, buy one, get two, three. So I buy four. <laughs> Do you know that the color red, yellow, and white are the color for sales? That's the color that actually gets you intrigued and wants, and it, it says to you that this item's on sale. Uh, the amount of choice that you have affects what you buy. If you walk up to an aisle and there's about a thousand different sources that you can buy, chances are you're not probably going to buy one, but if there's a limited amount of options, it is proven that you're more likely to buy that item. Uh, there's uh, the one here. This is, this is me. I've made a ministry out of this. Free samples. <laughs> I have a gift. <laughs> sure if it's a spiritual one, but I've definitely got a gift in this area. Free samples. And the, the connotation with that is that you feel obligated to buy. Have you ever felt that? Not me. I suppress that right down. Ooh, we'll try that again. I'll just grab one for my four kids. Walk away. They don't know I've got two. You're laughing because you do it, aren't you? Another one is that it was on sale. They say all of this happens at a subconscious level. And and the question then has to be asked, are we being taken advantage of? Uh, Are these tricks and these methods and all of this research taking advantage of the consumers, meaning that this is not a fair playing field, that when we walk into a place like Safeway or Costco or Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, then 
is, is, is it fair? And the answer is no. And the reason is, is the research says that these things can influence your decision, but there is no science to back that you are not making a free will decision for yourself. You are still in control. And so scientists have worked that most decisions, this is what they've worked out, most of the decisions that we make are emotionally based and how we emotionally feel when we look at that beautiful ribeye roast, just sitting there innocently and vulnerable. And we emotionally attach ourselves to what that's going to be like smelling in our house. Mm, It's going to be fantastic. And so we make the decision emotionally. And I think that's a lot like in our relationship with God. When we comes to making decisions in a crisis, when it comes to making decisions in a conflict and comes to making decisions in seasons that seem like we're lost and we're hurting and we're broken and maybe even in seasons of triumph where we feel like nothing can go wrong and we make these decisions emotionally rather than on a foundation of truth. Let's be a church that makes decisions on a foundation of truth, not based on our emotions and how we feel, but let's give that to God. Feelings and emotions, including and not limited to feelings like fear, Man, I make decisions based on fear all the time. Feelings like worry. Anyone, any, have we got any worry warts in here? Do you use that terminology here, worry wart? Okay, worry warts. And you think about if what you're worrying about comes to pass, what are you going to do once you arrive at that place anyway? You're not going to apply more worry to it, are you? So I'm not sure the logic of how worry helps the situation. But once we finally cross that road, you still want to apply truth. You still want to apply faith. You still want to believe in the promises that God has for you. So worry just seems to cancel cancel itself out. Feelings and emotions like anxiety. So let's do a quick survey and let's just see how much our emotions can affect us and, and think about even the logic of this. Who here is afraid of a shark? If there was a shark swimming in the water, who would jump in the water? No. <laughs> I want to bet you, who here is afraid of a shark? Who here has ever seen a shark in the water, in the wild? Oh, that's pretty cool. Reminds me not to go surfing here. <laughs> who here is afraid of a spider? No, you're not from Australia. Who here is afraid of a snake? Yeah, we've got a few brave people in there. That's pretty cool. Who here is afraid of a pit bull? You have to learn the owner first, right? <laughs> Because it's based on the temperament of the owner, right? <laughs> Who here is afraid of a cat? <laughs> Who here is allergic to a cat? <laughs> oh, wow. And you're still not afraid. Wow. So let's look at this, the logic. How many people here have actually been bitten by a shark? How many here have been bitten by a spider? I knew that was going to get a lot of hands. <laughs> Cancel that one out. Who here has been bitten by a snake? Wow. All right. Pitbull? You have, bro. Jeez. What do you, what do, you do with your spare time? <laughs> See him running through the mountains, through the woods with an axe. Come here, Pitbull. <laughs> Tracking him for months. <laughs> Who's been scratched by a cat? Amen. That's why. <laughs> the odds of getting attacked and killed by a shark are one in 3,750,000 in a lifetime. Uh, In a lifetime, you're more likely to die from fireworks. That's one in 340,000. Lightning strike, that's one in 79,000. Drowning is one in 1,134. 
a car accident is one in 84, a stroke is one in 24, or heart disease is one in five. And we have much more fear of a shark, correct? I think about this. I've, I've, I've never gone into McDonald's and looked at a Big Mac because of heart disease and gone, oh, help me, and run out. I've only ever seen people run into McDonald's. <laughs> Big Mac. But our logic tells us that we should be afraid of that and not of that, yet we have much more of a chance of dying of heart disease, feeling that that is a way, way, way bigger threat to our existence and the purpose that God has us on the planet than a shark. And so it's amazing how much our emotions get involved in how we process and make decisions, meaning that I wonder if we should actually question our emotions. And this is my conclusion, is we don't know if our feelings are lying to us or telling the truth. We don't know. You can't tell sometimes conclusively whether your feelings right now, think about that thing that you've got right now. Maybe you've got something on your shoulder that you're carrying and there's an emotional engagement with that thing. And I'm telling you this morning, the good news is this, is you don't know whether you can trust the emotions that that thing is trying to forecast over you and and whether it is true or it's a lie. And we have to have an anchor point to stand it up against. Here's another great example. Ellie and I, when Beckett was four months old, we visited our pediatrician and uh, it was just another checkup. Many of you know the story. And they told us they thought he had this really rare condition called craniocentosis, which basically means that the skull of his head at four months old was fusing and he wasn't able to expand and grow with the growth of his brain. The brain grows to about, till the bones don't fuse till about 12 to 15, 16 months. I'm making this up right now. I don't know the medical stuff, but, but it's something like that. I'll just be honest with you. Ask Ellie if you want the details. And the brain, the bone fused though, and the brain kept growing, which meant that it was going to push on the, on the head and it's going to cause deformity and it's going to cause brain issues. And Ellie and I had two very different reactions to the diagnosis, the, the diagnosis that the doctor had given us. The first reaction that I had was this was a medical scam. They were trying to scam us. And now you have to understand, right? <laughs> I'm just an innocent little Aussie boy from down under. And all I had watched is all of these documentaries on people in America who unfortunately end up homeless because they've got these huge medical bills and, and they just can't afford to pay for this. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. I know exactly what they're doing here, here, Ellie. Trust me, this is, I'm logically working this out. One plus one equal two. And there was a few things that were holding me back. The, um, uh, when it comes to this, I thought it was a scam because they were trying to make money. And, and then I was already uh, frustrated because I had to pay for my insurance. Now, I'm from Australia, okay? I'm going to show you something here. This little guy here, this little guy here is called a Medicare card. Do you know what that is? Free healthcare. Living the dream. <laughs> now, don't accuse me of being a socialist right now. I didn't write this, the, 
the law over there. It's not me. But this here will give us free health. I broke my arm in 18 places and they picked me up in the hospital. They took me in an ambulance. They put me in the hospital. I was there for two weeks, major operation. And then they put me out. Then I went back six months later, another major operation in the hospital for two weeks and put me out. A year of um, physiotherapy, another uh, ride and all these things, casts, doctor's visits, surgeon visits, didn't pay one cent. I thought, man, how awesome is Australia? But there's many great things here, trust me. So I'm thinking I've paid my insurance and then they said, oh, when I got to the doctor, they said, oh, you have to pay the copay. I said, what's that? I already paid for the insurance. Like, what, what on earth is a copay? I hadn't even heard of that. So trust me, I'm, I'm not a socialist. I just, <laughs> you know. So this is what's going through my brain. Ellie, she just said one thing. I feel like we're supposed to go. I, no matter what I said, even though Beckett's head started to look like an NFL football, I just said, <laughs> I don't want to go. But she just had to say, Mark, I feel like we're supposed to go. And so on that word, I just said, okay, all right. So before there was, uh, there was a diagnosis, even before the diagnosis happened, there was, there was my perspective and then there was Ellie's perspective but there was Beckett's reality, which was truth. That was, it was there. It was true. It was happening. But my emotions got involved. Maybe let's call it my fear, fear of being scammed. And maybe Ellie's emotion, fear of her kid getting uh, suffering. All these emotions got involved. But let's take those things out of the picture. Truth was there. Can I encourage you this morning? Pursue truth. Pursue truth. What is God actually saying? You know what? Some people have said stuff about you. Some people have said, you'll never reach this. You'll never break through that. You'll never get married. You'll always be this. And you know what? Pursue truth. What does God say about you? Consequently, the first thing he said to man was go forth and multiply. So (laughs) before your reality... Before your reality, there was God's truth. Before your mishap, there was God's promise. Before your baggage, there was God's purpose. Before any of what you're going through right now, there was his truth, his promises, and there was his purpose. And so because that was established before you went through this, there is an anchor point for you to attach yourself to. I wonder if I put as much faith and time, I wonder if I put as much time into faith than I did into worrying what difference that would make in my life. I wonder how that would change me. Um, and I wonder too, can you imagine without faith and truth as an anchor and without Jesus, I wonder where Ellie and I's head would have gone to. I wonder what our view of God would have been like if we allowed Beckett's situation to shape our view of God. Man, is God really loving? Is he really gracious? Why did he allow this to happen? And all these thoughts creep in and I start to think of God, not the, not the God of who he is, the God of the Bible. It's the God of my experience. And it's changing the way I view God. But I want to be anchored in truth. The, very, uh, the, the disorder Beckett had could very well have changed the way that I connect to God for either the, uh, either the positive or the negative. And so my question is, is life shaping the way that you see God or are you allowing God 
to change the way that you live life. And here's another one. Do you only go God's way when things go your way? Sorry for that punch in the guts. Do you only go God's way when things go your way? Okay, God, if you perform this, if you answer this prayer, I'll know you're real. So in other words, God, please submit to my will. Please do what I ask. We've got a word for that in the English language. It's called a genie. But he's not a genie. He's the sovereign God. And he is full of purpose. He is in control. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows how to take every loss and make it a win. He knows how to turn every situation around. And we can never put God in the box of our understanding of him. In other words, Mark doesn't interpret scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. It is truth that we can rely on. Do we only go God's way when things go our way? You know, if you allow God to change the way that you see God, if you, if you allow God to change the way that you see life, then it will change the way that you see your husband. It will change the way that you see your wife. Does this make sense? If you allow God to change the way that you see life, then you'll look at your husband different, your wife, your family, your boss, your work colleagues, your friends, your church family. You'll look at those things different because you're not looking them from your perspective. You're looking at your church through God's perspective. And what is the church? It's an army. And what do armies do? They don't shoot each other. They shoot the enemy. <laughs> they take on the enemy. If we see it through God's perspective and not ours, then it releases us and frees us to do what God's called us to do. And I can say right now, and I always say this, is don't let your feelings dictate, let them indicate. Don't let them take control. Don't let them dictate what you're supposed to do, but still allow them to indicate. I thank God that Ellie had a feeling that we were supposed to go and see the doctor. And I thank God that my fear, we didn't act on that, but we acted on her feeling. And feelings are a good thing. I'm not against feelings, but I'm saying don't let them dictate because feelings can hijack your view of God. But we should allow our view of God to come from truth and the truth of Scripture and God's Word, which will then guide the path that God has for us. So here's a good question then. Uh, is there a difference between what you've been saying and what God has declared? Is there a difference between your current thing and the way that you're processing it and talking about it? Is there a difference or a mismatch between God's promise and your declaration? Because maybe you're saying, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm finished. But God's saying the best is yet to come. God's promise is there is more. God's promise is, is that your relationship is not over. God wants to repair it, heal it and use it. It's not just to make it, but it's to go forward into purpose and make a difference. You know, the thing that I've always asked myself is, God, um, show me the belief behind my behavior. Show me the beliefs that I have in place because I act out my beliefs ultimately. But show me, God, the beliefs that are behind my behavior. Why am I acting like this? You know, you can be the most prophetic person in the room and get an absolute awesome word of God. But if there are belief systems in you that are not of God, you will ultimately act on those things because you trust that, what you trust most. And so allow God to change your belief system 
And, it, and the Bible calls it be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible calls it sanctification. It's the process of becoming Christ-like. And in that process, it's not what you do for God. It's what God does in you. And because of what God's done in you, you get to do for God, which is a very different foundation and mentality in your approach to God. In other words, you don't earn your salvation. You are free because of grace. And you get to function in that freedom that God has for you. I want to encourage us this morning about our feelings. Proverbs 29, 11, you can see it on the screen. This is a great scripture, encouraging scripture. A fool vents all his feelings. You ever had an argument? <laughs> Just me. <laughs> a fool vents all their feelings, all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. I think sometimes... We've been encouraged because of our, our freedom of speech, which I think is a great value. But we also have a freedom to remain silent, to remain silent. And I think sometimes, you know, the enemy doesn't have access to in here, but he can hear what comes out of here. And so I encourage you this morning to, to take check, to assess what's within me, what's coming out of me and holding those feelings back sometimes and saying, God, I surrender my emotions. I surrender my feelings to you. Reveal truth. And when truth is revealed, the Bible says this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth will set you free. In other words, if you're living under a lie right now, your solution is truth. If you are living in bondage right now because of what someone has said about you, you need to find out what God says about you. If you're being held back in your career because you think you're not gifted enough, you need to know that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. If you think, man, I don't feel this, I fit in in this season, you need to know that God knows the plans and the purposes that he has for you because he has destined, predestined for you to be in this time and place, in this era of history to be able to make a difference. It's the truth that sets you free. I want to encourage you this. And I feel like this is key for some people. Some people here, you've always run to the altar for a breakthrough and you've had breakthroughs in the past. But I believe as a church matures and grows in its relationship with him, they'll understand that not only truth will set you free, but it will set you up on a foundation. And now when the enemy comes to fire his fiery darts at you again, you have a barrier of truth where that dart hits and falls straight to the ground because you know why God has called you and put you here. And that is freeing and that is mature in relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Do you receive the word this morning? Is life shaping the way that you see God or are you allowing God to change the way that you live life? And that's really the great uh, question of this message this morning is, is that, is God changing the way that you live your life? And so as you step out of the boat in this next season, maybe some of you have grown weary and have learnt not to touch the stove because it's hot and you've freaked out and said, ooh, that is uncomfortable. That makes me nervous. Maybe you've reached that place this morning. And this morning, I believe the word for you is it's time to trust again, to step out of the boat and say, God, I want to walk in the truth and the freedom that you have for me. I'm going to be careful here. I'm going to fall off the stage. 
I used to surf. (laughs) But sometimes it takes a friend to give you that uncomfortable nudge and push out of the boat and say, you'd be a great worship leader. But that's embarrassing, singing in front of everyone. Well, it depends on your view. Are you singing to everyone or are you singing to God? Well, I don't know if I could do anything in the kids. Well, that depends. Are you babysitting or are you building a foundation of truth into a young person's life that one day is going to change the world? Are you afraid to step out in that business? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, who knows what's going to happen, but you know who's for you. And when you do step out, you know who's behind you. And you know that there's more purpose than just getting provision. You know that there's purpose to the provision of why God provides. God wants to set you up so that you can help people know God, make him known, build his church and bring heaven to earth. We get into that place of trust and allowing him to do it. I don't know, maybe somehow in some way, God is wanting you to step out of a boat this morning. Maybe this is a prophetic word that you need to let take root in your heart. And in 2020, it's gonna be completely different than 2019 because God has so much more that he wants to do, not just in us individually, but for Exchange Church corporately. And your blessing personally may be the very blessing we all need to hear publicly. And so I just feel that there's a sense of, you know what, I've got to get out of the boat. I've got to get out of the boat. You know what, maybe it hasn't changed and you're frustrated with it. Get out of the boat. It's time to get out of the boat. It won't change if you don't get out of the boat. And when you get out of the boat, just let me know. There's going to be boisterous winds. (laughs) The winds are going to blow. As soon as you step out of the boat, that's when you're going to really need a miracle. And when you really need a miracle, guess who shows up? The miracle maker. When you step out, God shows off his best. When you get out of that boat and say, God, do what only you can do. Now, I'm not talking about be unwise. I'm selling my house. (laughs) I'm not talking about lack of wisdom. There's always wise counsel. There's always the word and truth and so forth. But what is God stirring in you for 2020 to be your best year yet? Can we pray? Lord, I just thank you for every single person here. God, I pray, Lord, that this, as this word goes into our hearts, I pray it shall not return void. Lord, I pray that the individual bits for people here this morning would flourish in their life. And God, we thank you, Lord, for 2020 being our best year yet. Lord, we pray for breakthrough individually. Lord, we pray for spiritual increase. God, I pray for our tents to be enlarged. God, I pray that we would not get comfortable, that we would not allow ourselves to become contempt or familiar. With God, we would allow you to stretch us, to push us into a place of faith. And God, I pray for the faith to rise up in our hearts, to step out and see change, true change on a foundation of truth in 2020. God, I pray for spiritual breakthrough. Lord, for people whose relationship with you has run dry. God, I pray that the rivers would flow again. I pray that they would sense your spirit. I pray that when they read scripture, it would come to life off the pages. God, I pray that they would feel an intimacy with you. Lord, not fake, but real, where the words would come off the pages, God, and speak into the season of where they're at. And God, I pray, Lord, in worship, I pray for worship over exchange church, that when we gather, God, I pray your presence would be so intense, Lord, that people would feel it, they would sense it, and they would know it's you. And Lord, we thank you that it's you behind all of the seasons and the happenings of our life. God, I pray, Lord, that 2020 would be our best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen.